0: All right, so we got Brian Hess here, everybody. Um, coming up from PA, I know you were down here in Florida for a conference, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, Ignite Construction Conference over in Clearwater.
0: Got it. And uh, so for people who don't know you, man, I want to talk to you here and shoot you a little bit, but tell me about you. I mean, what's uh, what's the Brian Hess story? Introduce yourself to my audience.
1: Um, Born and raised just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Spent some time in Florida, so I spent five years uh, living in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, four kids amazing wife, uh, family man, man of God. Uh, I am the CEO of the Pavement Group, uh, founder of Top Contractor School, done a bit in the digital space over the years. Um, Just a lot going on, man. But my my passion is really helping people, uh, you know, sharing the things that I've been blessed to to learn from mentors and people in my life. And so being able to do that through businesses is pretty cool. And so
0: I just uh, love life, man. So the reason I think, you know, me and you met at a conference by Jesse Ladson, uh, contractor. Oh, come on. Contractor con. Yes. Sorry, Jesse. Uh, a few months back. And I definitely wanted to have you on the show because I think there's a lot more to pavement to you. Um, and I, you know, I see your, for those of you who want to get to know Brian a little bit more, it's at real Brian Hess, go over to Instagram and you can put in Brian Hess over there on Facebook. I uh, see a lot of the guy's short form content, but your short form content doesn't have anything to do with pavement. Um, it seems like you're trying to get people to kind of wake up, uh, become better entrepreneurs, uh, become better men and women. But what is, uh, what is your ultimate goal outside of Pavement, which we can talk about? What are you trying to accomplish right now? What are you hot on right now in your life, Brian? I think the first thing that came to mind when you just asked me that right now is just, uh,
1: you know, being an example, right. Mm -hmm. Of, you know, whether it's in business or as a father or as a husband, um, as a man of God, like all of those things, I think that, you know, the world's a crazy place right now. And I think that it's so easy to get distracted, to follow the things that aren't going to fill our cup. And so for me, the content that I put out is really uh, in an effort to supply the lessons, the the lessons that I've learned over the years, but also just the the little things that I'm going through throughout my life. I try to share those things Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that, connects with somebody that might be going through it at the same time too, right? So I think my my main focus has been uh, just being an example and and trying to live up to that, that, you know, I came from a very small town, Uniontown, Pennsylvania, you know, probably 10,000 people. And, you know, for me, it's, I wanna show those people from where I come from, that anything is possible, um, that you can do things the right way. Uh, You can value people, treat people right. You can go slow when you need to. You can go fast when you need to. And uh, as long as you have the right foundational elements of your life being built on a solid foundation, that you can do anything you want. And so for me, uh, when you say, you know, it's about more than just pavement, that's one of of the things that I've always said is, you know, for for many people, I think their business is the vehicle that allows them to do their passion. Uh, And so the Pavement Group has been something that has created... Uh, an environment where I'm able to mentor, I'm able to teach, I'm able to um, do the things that I love to do, and it produces a significant amount of profit that opens all the other doors to be able to do the things that I'm truly passionate about, right? And so business is a way uh, for us to achieve the things that we want in life. It it is the vehicle, right? And so for me, um, I always say, I I don't know too many people that you know, just love asphalt, that love sticky, dirty uh, job sites, things like that. I mean, I love what we do. I love creating. I love watching projects get completed. I love our industry. I love the people in our industry. But ultimately, it's the vehicle that allows us to do the other things. It allows us to give. It allows us to teach. It allows us to have, um, you know, success that that gives people the ability to actually listen to you, yeah. right? Um, so all of those things check the box for me
0: by doing what I get to do every day. So I was thinking about this on the way over. I was listening to some of your content. And I say the same thing about roofing. You say it about asphalt. I mean, who really loves roofing? Who loves a wood, a a piece of, you know, shingle, some asphalt and some tar? Do you love that stuff? No, 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 you don't. You may love what it provides for people. You may love the money for it. You may love the camaraderie or the business or creating something with your hands. But... It's not roofing that you love. And if you love a two-by-four, then, you know, come on. You need to go get checked out over here. You don't love that. Um, But I I think it's kind of a facade that people who are, you know, let's just say you're 30 to to 50 or, you know, late 20s to 50. You grew up in an era where I think you got this facade that you have to love what you do. Go love your job. And if you don't love what you do, find something you do love. Eh, That's a little simplistic in my mind. Why don't you, you know, find something you love and try to work towards it? But sometimes you do get in a job you're not very fond of. Sometimes you do have to suck it up in life and do things you don't want to do. Um, not everybody has that a moment that at that moment can afford to step away and just, I'm just going to go do what I want to do. Yeah, life has responsibilities. And you don't. You, maybe when you're eight years old, you don't have to understand that. Maybe they don't want you to. But when you're 28, 38, you, you understand it's a little bit different. It's a simplistic look.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, man. I've never had a job in my life uh, that I loved every part of. And so, you know, I I believe that when you find something that fits who you are as a person, you know, for me, I'm a marketer, I'm a salesperson, I'm a natural relationship person. And so, you know, this business, which I never expected to be in, I didn't enter the construction industry until I was 30 years old. Um, And, you know, most of my life I spent in corporate America and in technology jobs and um, I ended up in this industry by chance, and, and but when I found it, I knew it was the right place. You know, mm-hmm. the, the people, you know, my dad was a steel worker. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, Steel City. And so, you know, when I found it, it was an easy fit for me uh, because it's who I was around my whole life, right? It was the people that I was used to interacting with, and it just felt like home. Um, but make no mistake, I don't, I don't think there's anybody in construction that says I love every aspect of the job, uh, but it it supplies a good living. You're around great people, people that have values. If you surround yourself with the right people in the industry, man, it's a really special place to be. And, and so this industry has given so much to me, man, and so much to me and my family that uh, for me, it has always been this way. But really now it's about, you know, how can I spend the rest of my career building this company to be the example and also uh, spend the rest of my career trying to give back to those uh, in the industry in every way that I can.
0: We're going to be right back to that podcast with Brian Hess. But first I got to tell you about my friends over at Matt Meehan Consulting, the branding and sales consultants for exterior remodeling businesses. Now business owners, you have probably put in thousands upon thousands of dollars into marketing, trying to capture your potential customers. It could be Facebook, Instagram, Google, you get these people and you push them into a database when they don't buy from you. Right? Unfortunately, sometimes that's where that goes to die. And years later, you've got this database of potential customers and they haven't been contacted. You put thousands of dollars to getting those customers to making a pitch to them, but it didn't come through. What if you retargeted and you went after a text campaign, phone, email, you had splash pages and a marketing campaign, just after those people, you'd spend a lot less money. And I'm telling you, I bet you get a lot more customers. My friends at Matt and Consulting do exactly that. You've got a database of potential customers. They turn them into clients for a fraction of the cost of another marketing campaign out there. You need to get in touch with them. Consulting.com, It's right across the bottom right here. Let them know that Patrick sent you. Don't spend thousands of wasted dollars to put more people into a database that need to be retargeted right now. Matt and Consulting. The branding and sales consultants for your exterior modeling business. And now, back to that podcast with Brian Hess. And you're doing that, but you, know, you just mentioned your dad was a steel worker. Are men weaker nowadays? I mean, mentally weaker? And so I want to know why. Because you talk to a lot of guys, the pavement group that you've got. You talk to a lot of, a lot of people out there that are blue collar. You know, I want to talk about top contractor school. What do you hear out there? Because I think as, as men, we've become mentally, maybe even physically, weaker. In America, over the last let's say forty years, why is that? Do you agree? You disagree? What is what's the cause? If nothing behind it. Oh man, I'll try to keep this short. But yeah, do, do, yeah, do, do yeah. yeah straight. I mean, I, I see
1: this. And I, it worries me. Where is it all going? I I one hundred percent think that men are weaker. I think there's a pressure from society for men to be weaker. Mm-hmm. You know that we're supposed to just accept certain things that are happening in the world. We're not supposed to stand up for what's right. If we do, we get shamed. You know, there's there's all this stuff. Uh, on the physical side, man, I, I think you know. Uh, frankly, the food that people eat is uh, making us weaker without our knowledge, right? I don't. I don't think that people take the time to educate themselves on what's happening with their body and what they're ingesting, and you know, they tell themselves that healthy food is too expensive. And uh, but yeah, just just in general, man, society, social media, the access to information that's rotting us away, and and people's ability. Not, not having the ability to disconnect from that uh, is absolutely uh, destroying a lot of people. Um, I was just talking to somebody this morning about uh, a guy that you know is kind of in our group that's, that's having a tough time, got a lot of weight on his shoulders. And I was thinking to this person, I'm like, man, we got to get him to disconnect from technology because if you're in this rut, just imagine this in today's world, if you're in a, in a rut mentally, you just got a lot of weight on you, it's a little dark, Social media has the ability to feed you more of what you have consumed.
0: Oh, yeah. They and so,
1: so it is harder to break the cycle if you don't disconnect from what is there. And so, man, there's a, there's a million reasons out there why I believe, you know, men are weaker. I think people in general are mentally weaker than we've ever been. Um, and until people actually recognize that and take things into their own hands and read and understand what it is that's going on. Um, I would encourage anybody that's listening. There's, there's a book out there called The Owner's Manual for the Brain. Okay. Uh, whether it's the things that you eat, uh, the, the medicine that you take, uh, the alcohol that you drink, the drugs that you're putting in your body. If you read that book, it'll tell you why you feel the way that you feel. And as you understand those things, you start to make different choices in life because you understand the repercussions of what it is. It's, it's science, guys. It's, like, very simple. If you do this, you feel like that. And uh, I just don't think people take enough time to understand it or to be disciplined enough to not put junk food in their body or not uh, reading enough to understand what it
0: is that they're actually doing to themselves. So I think there's a, there's, a, I don't know, there's a facade or there's a, I don't know, a story around responsibility. And in the last 15 years, we've seen that if you take on less responsibility, you'll be freer. You'll be able to do what you want. That's, that's good. Oh, you have all this freedom if you're a business owner, less the quote-unquote responsibility. And as we've seen people transition out of responsibility, we see depression go up, opioid use. I think there needs to be a switch back into the more responsibility you put on your back and your shoulders, I'm telling you, you'll find purpose with that in life. And I think that's where joy comes from. The more you have and you can, you can withstand, pick up your cross, in other words, and, and walk with it. And men, I think, have lost that because what, we, what we've told them in the last 20 years is less responsibility, you're going to be happier and freer to do the things you want to do. But when you don't have it, you wake up in the morning, you go, what the heck am I going to do here today? Why am I living here today? I've got no responsibility. And so, yeah, I can go do what I want to do, but I don't even know what that is if you give me the time because I haven't explored what I am. What is going to find me purpose? Um, And I would tell people hey, listen, go put some responsibility on your back. Go take responsibility for the things that you should. If it's your kid you're not paying attention to, start paying attention to them. Start actually meeting the dates that you got to meet to pick up your kid on time. And with that responsibility, you'll actually build a little bit of. Calluses and my, and, and that comes with strength comes with that. But I think we got to start saying, hey, responsibility ain't a bad thing, it's a damn good thing.
1: Yeah. I, I always say, you know, and this is, it, people have probably heard it before, but it's, you know, you either sacrifice for what you want or what you want becomes the sacrifice. Whoa, whoa, whoa back that up. Hold on. You either what? You either sacrifice for what you want or what you want becomes the sacrifice. And I think the other part that makes us mm-hmm. weak is that you know, people are telling us, oh, you can't want too much. It's greed. It's this, it's that. Dude, it's biblical, man. Go read it. Like, you are not supposed to be poor. God did not put you here to be poor. Uh, He did not put you here to be average. Uh, You were put here to do something special. What that is, you can only find through purpose. Mm -hmm. And you don't find that by sitting on a couch or by taking too much free time. Uh, For me, you know, I get asked a lot because I— I work a lot, right? I'm either working or I'm with my family. uh, And that's 99% of my time. And I get asked, like, you know, man, when are you going to stop and smell the roses? And I I respond the same way every time. Like, for me, man, this is the roses. You know, I I love what I do. I've found a passion and a purpose that it has never felt like work. Uh, Not one flight, not one trip, not one four-hour drive, not one early morning has never felt like work. And so, One of my passions now is helping other people find that purpose, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you help people find it? And to your point, man, you hit the nail on the head. You don't find it unless you're out there doing. You cannot find it sitting around. You will not find it in free time. Um, Free time, they call it the devil's time for a reason, man. If you give yourself too much space on the calendar, don't be surprised when you end up in spaces you shouldn't be in. Yeah,
0: that's right. My grandmother used to say, nothing good happens after, what, 10 o'clock? And now, I've been, I don't know. So don't give yourself that time to be out there. Yeah, I spent the first 30 years of my life proving that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. I I think about, um, I was going to say this, is, well, I kind of lost my train of thought, but I wanted to go back to one thing. Matt, you and I were talking about this guy this morning. You heard of this Liver King guy that yeah. got caught? Yeah, yeah, I mean. What, in my opinion, it shows is somebody can be a complete – I mean, if you looked at the guy, the guy's a liar. I mean, obviously, by by what was going on. Uh, For those of you who are not aware of the Liver King, go look him up. He's a guy who looks like, you know, a steroided-out bodybuilder who's been telling everybody all you got to do is eat raw organs from, you know, different animals, and you can go in and look like him. It's the biggest joke in the world. But it shows me that, in general, boys and men in this country – will go ahead and take something they know is not even true. Most people look like there's probably something up here. But the fact that the guy is talking about a life where you do have some responsibility to at least eat right, to do something with your day, I can't knock the guy for that. Um, but people are so hungry for that just to have some purpose with what they're doing that they'll follow somebody even if they don't quite believe in all the messaging. They'll pick out something they like and they'll go with it. That's how hungry people are for it in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I would go a step further to say uh, the guy himself is willing to risk his entire reputation and self worth to bend the truth to earn significance.
0: How hungry to, wow, says a messed up thing about that.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's the dangerous world of social media that we live in is that uh, if you seek significance from others, uh, and this is, this is a great topic to get into, man. If you seek significance through likes, comments, shares, et cetera, you're missing the point because um, let's just take the business side and the personal side. So on the business side, what I always say is it's not about how many likes it's about getting that one like of a client that has $3 million to spend this year that wants to do it with you because of what you put out, how you connected with them, something that you did that aligned with their values and principles and foundation. And on the personal side, um, just imagine that that guy's a good example. He has a bunch of people following him. And you made a good point. I don't believe that most people probably thought that it was authentic. They probably had a lot of doubt. Mm-hmm. So who did you actually attract as your, your most authentic followers were also people that are probably partial truths. Oh. So you attract who you are, right? And so when you put it out there and you're being inauthentic, or you're not telling 100% of the truth, then you're probably going to attract those people. Um, An example, and this isn't a knock, everybody has their own brand and their own thing, but if you post pictures of uh, exotic cars, you're going to attract people that want an exotic car. Um, Nothing wrong with that. However, you're going to get people that will do almost anything to get an exotic car. They might cut a corner, they might rent the car and You know, they might lease the car for a month and take a bunch of pictures with it, make it look like they're something that they're not. And so I think that the world of social media has allowed people this opportunity to maybe bend reality a little bit. Um, And and for me, uh, it is important to be authentic. We're all walking contradictions, right? There are always things that we say that we contradict in our actions. And so when I say I want to be an example, I just want to be the best that I can be, realizing that I'll, I'll never be perfect. I'll always have contradictions. But these things that people put out there that are partial truths, um, it just doesn't work. It's gonna attract
0: the wrong audience, and over time, that'll decay the culture of your life. See, I was gonna, one thing I'm gonna tell a company that I told about this meeting with this afternoon is, if you want to get better in one area of your life, start talking about it online and hold yourself accountable to what you say. Because that becomes a really interesting thing. You start putting out there, I don't know, um, you know no matter what happens in my company, employees are going to show up on time. That's what's going to happen no matter what. And then people don't show up on time. And then you, you, okay, now I've set my standard. You know what I mean? No, but in all seriousness, if you have, you're having trouble with public speaking or you're having trouble, start putting some tips out for public speaking. And then all of a sudden you're embodying the fact that, hey, listen, I am somebody that gives advice on public speaking. I'm the authority in this. And it doesn't become your weakness. I think what we tell each other, what we're doing is we're telling a story in our head of who we are. And I think we can use social media to get out of that story in a positive way. Start talking about the things and holding yourself accountable to them. And other people will, too. And you can get out of that story you've told yourself for a lot of years. I think that's a positive way to use it there. 100%, man. Uh, I,
1: I, I use this example for me personally. Um, I had uh, the Perspective Podcast 536 episodes and and then top contractor school being a you know being an advisor and a consultant and a mentor to contractors, those two things, man. Like I always say this to people, unless you're an absolute hypocrite and you have no problem being that, yeah. your statement is absolutely correct. Because if you're teaching these principles, you're living things and teaching them to other people, you're putting it out online, you're gonna catch yourself a lot more often uh, starting to step away from those things that you're telling other people to do. I've found it in myself. It's like it's a lot easier to tell somebody else what to do than it is to live it out yourself. But the more consistent you put that out online and the more your mind starts to tell you people are watching, mm-hmm. um, you're going to live up to the standard
0: that you've set for yourself. And see, I think it's an easier time than ever to make yourself an authority in an industry. So let me explain this. So if I, if I want to, let's take your exotic cars example. If I have said, hey, listen, I'm a kid, I'm 16 years old, and I want to be the authority in exotic cars. 20 years ago, good luck, man. You gotta have contacts, you gotta have people, dealerships who even know your name to call it's a 30-year process. Now, it's about a one-year process. All I have to do is go to Google, top questions about exotic cars. Find number one, go do a 10 minutes of research on it. 10. And just come up with some basic ideas about exotic cars that people are asking and put it out there. Well, oh, I guess he must know what he's talking about and put out another one. to about the top 10. One every other day for 20 days. You'll get traction and you'll learn a little bit in the process. The minimal amount of effort now is all that is necessary. You don't got to go to the library, do the Dewey Decimal System, find a book, open the book, find it. You put in a minimal amount of work, you can place yourself as the authority, whether you are or not, due to social media.
1: Yeah, no question, man. I I put a post out a few months ago that said uh, the difference between looking successful and being successful. And I said, like, looking successful requires nothing more than reading some books, doing some research, Understanding you know, what people are looking for, hiring a videographer, mm-hmm. uh, the minimal investment that it takes to be able to produce some high-quality content, and then sharing that content out online. But being successful requires years of hard work, failure, adversity, fighting through it, learning the lessons, and, and still continuing to push forward. It's, it's a totally different dynamic. And to your point, um, it, is, it is easy and simple. Um, it still takes work to become significant, to become an authority. you still got to put in a little bit of work. But to your point, it's, it's a tenth of what it used to be. Um, and, it's, and that's a dangerous thing because people out online start pulling information that they think is really valid and has a lot of experience behind it because of what it looks like. And so my challenge for people is get below the surface. Um, and there's always use for information, right? If you take information and it's helpful to you in that moment, then absolutely, it's useful information, go apply it. Just understand, don't become a fan of somebody too fast because I've had it happen to me, I'm sure you've had it happen to you. You start to follow people and you really start looking up to these people or admiring what they're doing. You meet them in person or you start to dig underneath the surface a little bit and it's not quite what it seems, right? And that's that's okay. difficult, especially for people who are starting um, it'll be demoralizing. They start to think everybody's a fraud, which isn't the case either, right? Yeah. So um, just be careful and, and read the information, consume the information, but be careful falling into I call it falling into somebody's funnel, right? Wow, yeah. Where you become a, a fan instead of a consumer.
0: And yep. uh, that's a fine line. I met a guy who, I'll leave him a name because I really like his stuff. Um, and I met this guy at a conference and started having a conversation with him. I got very lucky that I saw one of a videographer setting up a podcast, and it was at a conference from a hotel. Well, what we wanted to do is just figure out that guy's story, because big. it was, looked like a big production. I'm like, man, I'm going to go up and talk to this guy. So I go I'm like, hey, man, how'd you get involved? Who's this for and everything? He tells me the guy's name. And uh, I'm like, really? I said, that's why I came to this conference. He was the keynote. I said, I came here to listen to him. And I, I strike up a conversation with this guy 30 minutes later. Um, he's like, well, let's get him down here. You can talk to him right now. I'm like, okay, uh, sure. I didn't think it was BSing me. He's like, so he calls up the guy. He says, hey, listen, uh, come on down. I got your jacket. Five minutes later, the guy comes down. Brian, there's nobody else around. This is about uh, 1,500 people at this conference because everybody had gone to lunch. So no one is there. I got this empty hallway with the keynote speaker to sit down and have about a five-minute conversation. In the course of doing it, I, tell, I ask him, about, like, you know, just after the podcast ends, um, or five-minute conversation, I said, how do you do what you do with all your short stuff? It seems to flow off for you. Um, He's like, what do you mean, flow off for me? He goes, we have meetings about that on Monday. I give people topics, they research it for me the entire week. They come back with the 10 that are best, and then I study those, and on Friday, we film them all. I was like, those aren't just off the cuff? Like, you're not, it looks like you're just talking to somebody, and it just comes easy to you. Like, no, I got a team that does that and puts together the bullet points, and they're right there. So uh, I'm thinking, man. Here I was at that time kind of beating myself up like, hey, my content, I mean, I'm never going to be able to do what that guy does. Not seeing behind the scenes what that individual is really doing to prep for that one minute that only we see. You never know. Um, and I think people would do well to understand that what goes on behind the camera is often not in line with perhaps what you see. You feel a lot better and be, going, okay, I'm not that far off. I thought I was this far. I just got to prep a little bit better. Um, I think that's something good people learn. No,
1: no question, man. No question. And and that is, uh, comparison is the thief of all joy, right? It, it, you're on your own journey, man. And and you know, I coach people on this stuff. I tell them the the easiest way to get good is to start. Uh, it, you know, there's there's a lot of hacks. There's a lot of studying you can do, but nothing's gonna nothing's going to beat putting in the work, putting in the reps, and doing this a bunch of times, right? So, for me. You know, episode one of the podcast when I started it, you know, prepared for hours for a 15-minute deal, and, you know, it was terrible. Uh, and, and 500 episodes later takes no preparation, and, and it's a whole lot better. It's, it's far from where I want to be, but, man, you know, that's what it takes. And so it is always about the work, man. There's no shortcutting that. And so those people that you think are that talented – uh, they might be that talented, but they usually did some work to get there, right? Some people are just naturally gifted, but there's still some work
0: behind those people who are that exceptional. Yeah, I want to know from you because uh, you've got these people that you coach. Uh, what's the most common thing when you start up a coaching with somebody? Is there something that usually everybody seems to have in common or a lot of people that have come to you have in common with themselves personally or their business? Can you share that with us? Yeah, I think it's a lack of lack
1: of – self-confidence. And when I say that, I mean like lack of knowing who they are, talking about what we were just talking about. And the other thing is um, they set smaller goals than what they should uh, because people are convinced that, you know, hitting a goal is actually the mission. Uh, I was just having this conversation last night at the conference. Setting significant goals and measuring yourself on effort uh, is more important than actually achieving a goal. Uh, So if I set a massive goal and I fall somewhat short of achieving the goal, but I put in a massive amount of work and I feel good about the body of work that I've put in, I am way further ahead than I am to set a conservative goal and and hit it. And so those two things, man, it's, it's making people believe in themselves a little bit more than they did before. It's the foundational elements. It's I will always see more in you, man, than, than what you're going to see in yourself. Because I see your talents, and I don't walk around with you all day seeing all the stupid shit you do, and you do right. Yeah. And same with me. Like you, you look at me for what you see on the surface. You don't see all the dumb shit I do in a whole in a week. That I think to myself, like, man, I should, wish I had that one back, right? You yeah. know. But that's that's what uh, mentorship is all about. It's about being able to provide that foundation. Of what people see in themselves and reprogram that for them
0: yeah i think about uh, something i learned about a year ago a guy told me this and stuck with me every single day when you meet somebody they will think of you differently than you think of yourself which means that if you meet 10 people today their first impression every single one of them will be different of you someone might look at me and say first impression meathead other person might look at me and say first impression guy's got a receding hairline i don't know what their first impression that they think of is going to be but every single person is going to have a different one And so I think that's an incredible thing to learn because most of us paint in our head what the first impression is, what we think everyone thinks about us. But really, every single first impression will be different. You get a 1,000 of them, and so I think the only one that matters is the one we've painted in our head, the story that we tell ourselves. other people see. If you're having a problem with that, I've I've told my guys, um, change the story in your head that they don't see meathead guy from, you know, whatever or whatever it might be that they see they see entrepreneur, they see a guy who is a go-getter. If you tell yourself that story and then you introduce and you back that up because that's how you feel about yourself, other people are going to start to look at you that way. No, no
1: question, man. I, I was just in a conversation with somebody last night and they said, uh, man, there's just something about your, your energy and mm. there's something about you know, just the way that you carry yourself. And I said, man, it, it was not always that way. You know, that it takes work. It takes digging. Um, one of my favorite books, uh, Beyond Positive Thinking by Dr. Robert Anthony, it actually shows you, will teach you where your thoughts come from, yeah. you know, the blueprint of how you've been shaped as a person and then how you can reprogram that. And so for me, man, finding that peace, finding that purpose has, has created that where I don't think about that like I used to. Like, yeah. how does somebody view me, right? Because I'm more focused on being the example. I'm more focused on who I think I am or who I actually am, right? By my actions, by what am I doing? How close am I to the contradictions that, that exist in all of us, right? Mm-hmm. How close or far away am I from the example of who I want to be as a father, who I want my kids to see me as? Um, you know, that's a big thing as a, for, for the guys out there that are dads, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, there's always a tug, man, of like, am I spending enough time with my family? Am I, you know, spending too much time at the office? Am I not providing for them at a high enough level because I'm taking too much time doing other things? And so uh, for me, uh, growing up with a a dad that was a steel worker that that worked a ton, uh, what I realized through a lot of thinking and a lot of You know just processing through that challenge or that contradiction that we all live with was you know my dad might not have always been around but he was always an exceptional example and he taught me hard work and he taught me work ethic not by what he directly taught me but what i caught right they always say the best things are caught not taught and so for me it's being that example for my kids like even if I'm not there for everything that they've got going on and I try to be there for everything, if I miss it, they know why, right? They know daddy's out there grinding to try to provide for us, to try to take us on trips. One of my goals this year is to take eight family trips Good for you, man. in one year. Last year we were able to do five, right? And that was that was something I didn't do for the first couple of years of our business. And so, you know, setting those goals that really fill you up. So like last year, Um, some people might get stuck on financial goals. You know, when you start to have enough, it's like, how do you, how do you stretch to the next level? Right? What has to be something more than just a financial goal or a revenue goal or, you know, something that drives you in business. And so for me, uh, my mentor said, you know, what do you want last January? What do you want? I'm like, so I just start rattling off revenue goals and income goals. You know, that's what we all do.
0: Sure.
1: He's like, no, 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 man. What do you actually want? And I was like, man, I don't know. You know, I got to take a couple of days and think about that. And so when I came back, he said, what do you want? Like, this is perfect world scenario. What would your life look like? And I said, you know, there's not a lot from a material standpoint that's important to me. My house, I could give a shit about the cars, like could care less, but I want to keep my house. That's where my family is, right? If I lost it all, as long as I had that house, everything else could go. Everything else, material doesn't matter. And I just want to be able to create experiences and memories for my kids. And he goes, well, what does that look like? And I said, in an ideal scenario, it's going on one trip a month, four or five days, right? Just over a long weekend with my family. And eventually, I don't want to do that through a commercial airport. Like, I'd yeah. like to fly private and do that. Okay, well, what does that look like? Well, you know, it's 60000 to $80,000 a month to be able to do that. So I started looking, how do I get there? I'm like, this is not as complicated as I thought it was. And so taking those vacations, obviously I didn't fly private, a commercial airline, me, wife, kids. Every time I walk through that airport, I'm more motivated, right? I love that. Because it's it's torture with four kids, right? (laughs) Dragging them through an airport, right? And so I'm like, but those five trips, man, uh, made 2022 a success for me, regardless of You know, And we did well as a company. We doubled again in size. Uh, We had massive success. But if I was to hang my hat on one thing in 2022, it's creating five unique experiences that my family had together going on a trip. Um, And so for me, my daughter's 10. She's the oldest. So I said to myself, if I could pull this off, if I could pull off eight, 12 trips a year, this is how many experiences she'll have before she leaves at 18 years old. And so for me, that's the investment, right? And so When we talk about, you know, why pavement? Well, that's why pavement, because it has the ability to scale and grow and make an impact with my family and every family that works for our company to be able to do the same thing. And we want to create an environment where people can achieve those things that they want to achieve. If that's what I just described, great. If that's uh, a simple, stable life that we can provide for somebody with health insurance and all those things, that's great too, man. It takes a village. And so, that's the motivation, man. And I think people struggle with that, um, not being clear enough on what it is that they want. And they, they tie everything to, well, I want this car, or I want this purse, or I want whatever it is. And it's just too shallow to really dig into the depths of your soul and get you motivated at the highest level.
0: Man, you got so much there to unpack. Uh, I'm going to start with the self-confidence that you said, because I've been writing some notes over here. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I believe in that a lot for people who have self confidence. Um, Matt, my business development manager gets on to me constantly that I don't charge enough. It's like I gotta charge more. How many times have I heard you say that? Gotta charge more, Patrick. My thing about it is, and we've talked about this, Matt, um, that we're confident that we're gonna deliver a product that exceeds expectation. And that when you're a confident individual in that, you become less worried about where is the money going to come from on this, knowing that we're gonna we're gonna get it right. And when we do get it right, the money's going to come. Um, and I also have a heart for people that I look at I like, I, I know we could charge more to them. I know it. But I know that's not right for them. I can look, I mean, people, oh, you never know what somebody's thinking or how much money they have. I can, I'd like to think at this point we can read somebody and go, yeah, it's going to be tougher on them to put that extra couple thousand dollars. I want them to look at it and go, hey, man, this was – I should have put down that $2,000. And I think that if you've got a lot of self-confidence – you stop having that conversation, which led me into what you said right here. I, I've never actually put it together until you said it right now. So I'm gonna walk through this with you if it's okay. You've, you've heard when when you start to have success or you've got, you're have a successful person, let's say in any aspect of your life, it gets real quiet, they say, in your head. You get, you're so focused. I've heard you know guys like Gary Vee or um, Ed Milet talk about, you know, it gets quiet in your head. As I'm thinking, I wanna work this through you, what came to my mind was when you, therefore you have self-confidence, and with that self-confidence, you don't have the back and forth. Like you, you talked about when you walk in here, you're not worried having that, okay, am I, what is someone going to think of me? How are they going to perceive me on first impression? Because you have self-confidence in yourself. If you didn't, though, I believe that conversation starts happening in your head of, well, what is what is Patrick going to think? What is you know Hoff going to think? What is Matt going to think about me? What is the lady at the front desk? Okay, I sit down. What are they trying to get out of this? The, the, it never stops. And it's, it's really noisy up here, and it's hard to focus on what you're doing. But now as I think about it with what you said, that the self-confidence means that it, you're not having those conversations in your head. You're present in the moment that you have to provide impact or a good impression on the person that you're talking to. I never put those two and two together, but that's how I'm reading it right now.
1: Yeah, and, and dude, it's, uh, success is about finding those quiet places. Um, you know those quiet times. So just an example. Before we started, I handed Matt my phone. Said, so get this thing away from me, mm. because if it's here, it's a distraction. If it's in my pocket, even if it's not buzzing, it's a distraction." And so for me, uh, this is a this is a hack for everybody. I spend 30 minutes a day, the first 30 minutes of every day, with no noise, no devices, no electronics, no anything, just me and my thoughts. And if I could tell you, uh, if I could tie one piece of my life, a lot of people talk about fitness, a lot of people talk about you know, working out, that being a hack for entrepreneurs that are really successful, and I do that too. But I would point to that 20 or 30 minutes that I spend every day as the single greatest hack that I have for creating success. I figured out more things in that 30 minutes a day than I will figure out in a room full
0: of people. What are you thinking about for that 20 minutes, Brian? Whatever. I, I There's I, no, like, you don't just think about, okay, I'm only going to think about work or I'm only thinking about family. It's just whatever comes to your mind, is, you're working through it.
1: Yep, it's whatever is going on because I, I don't believe, you know, in separation of anything. It's like, we live a life, man. We're a person. That involves uh, a family, friends, business connections, uh, businesses, everything that's going on in our life. It takes processing, right? And it's that dynamic of how we deal with the community of people, the culture of people that are around us. And it takes quiet time to process that stuff, man. Business is messy. And so, you know, when you're dealing with adversity, when you're dealing with uh, lawsuits or challenges or employees that, you know, have an issue that you're trying to help them with, and you don't know all the details, man, that those quiet moments can help you process through so much stuff. And to your point, If you don't have the self-confidence or you're not working on those things or you're not keeping the promises to yourself or you're telling people to eat liver so that they can, right, those quiet moments don't come. It's harder to get there. It's been that way for me at times where I'm not living up to everything that I want to do. And so it takes me 10 minutes to get to that quiet place versus if I'm on a roll, man, if I got a lot of momentum and a lot of self-confidence and I'm, you know, everything's going well. I can get there almost instantly. So how fast can you get to a quiet place is a great measurement for self-confidence.
0: Two questions about that. I wanna, you said business is messy. It is messy. Um, got a question two part here. When Brian gets a problem, you, th- you gotta put out fires every single day. Part of being an owner, entrepreneur, part of being a husband and father. Um, do you have a step that you take as you hear a problem? Um, something's coming through. First step that you, how do you look at it? How do you begin to dissect a problem? It's question number one. But then, two, how do you com- compartmentalize the problems that you have? Um, I struggle with, we got a lot going on over here. Podcast could be going great, but we got this client and this client that maybe you're upset about something. Okay, I got to go talk to them. But in the meantime, I start having this back and forth in my head, Brian. I start thinking, how do I get, how does a business owner get this, stop paying attention to this, and start going, okay, I'm completely focused over here, that compartmentalization, if you think that's necessary. So.
1: Yeah, so uh, first question, you know, how do you how do you process it? The, the first thing that I always try to do, and I think uh, this would be beneficial for anybody, I was taught this by a mentor, is analyze every position in that scenario. So if there's three of us that are involved in it, what is Matt's position? What is your position? What is your perspective? And if you can see things from a 360-degree perspective, um, you're able to actually establish a baseline of how everybody could come to a conclusion, right? And so uh, they always say the best deal is when everybody loses a little. Uh, and I think, you know, that's that's a great way to look at it. I think a lot of people try to figure out how they can win, uh, and that's not a great approach to resolve conflict. Uh, it, it's, it's something you have to be able to process from everybody's perspective and then figure it out from there. Um, as far as compartmentalizing, man, uh, you know, not too fancy, but I, I literally, man, I don't spend a lot of time carrying my own problems. I, I, I pray about it, I think about it, I get to that quiet place and I don't carry it. Um, and I wasn't always like that, man. I would, I would think about it, bounce it back and forth in my head, think of every scenario. I went through co- something a couple of years ago uh, that I'd never been through before and it knocked me down for like 10 days, man. I was just like caught up like, this is terrible. I've never been through this before. What's gonna happen? And after 10 days, man, I started to practice more quiet time every day, trying to process through this thing. I called my business partner. I said, I got it, man. He's like, what do you mean you got it? I'm like, I got the answer to the problem. I'm like, the worst case scenario is this costs us $500,000. And he's like, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> what's, what's the solution? And I said, dude, we're going to make $500,000 more this year. And then we don't have to think about it. And so it's finding that way that you can compartmentalize it and put it in your control. Because I think a lot of times mm. we try to process things or think about the scenarios and we don't figure out how to get the leverage back. So it's like use that negative energy as fuel to figure out how do I get control of this? Or how do I disarm this bomb that's sitting in my life by just looking at it from everybody's perspective, figuring out how you can get control? And that, that's really how I try to compartmentalize or step away from the problem. Because once you figure out what the solution is, now I can get to work on making the $500,000 extra. I don't have to think about the problem anymore because Mm -hmm. that's emotionally draining. This is emotionally motivating.
0: Yes. I look at interpersonal problems. This only works for personal, person to person, You know, uh, arguments you have, whether it be spouse, personal, business, it doesn't matter. Almost every single argument or disagreement you have with a person you both actually want the same thing in the end, and I think it's best in your head to start with what you both want that is the same. You know, if somebody comes to you, an employee and you know they're they're upset about I don't know uh, work life balance in some way. I have to, I'm coming in too early. I've got a kid who you know that needs to that I need to get to school. And okay, so that person wants to better work life balance, which means they want to work for your company. They want to give what they need to give. You want that person to be as productive as possible too. You both want the same thing right now. Only thing that's different is they're coming to you because there's a different way to perhaps go about getting it. They want to come in earlier. Well, okay, what if you did that and they stayed later? It's a, that's a simplistic look. But even though there might be some friction, you actually both want to end the same thing uh, and get the same thing in the end. And with a spouse, a lot of times it's the same way. The, the argument's happening because maybe both people want more respect in the relationship. Now they have a different way they're expressing that. But when you start with what you have in common, it becomes a lot easier, in my opinion, to find that path to, to actually get there. Um, you know, I learned that from Ben Shapiro, um, and he, I, the guy who does all those, you know, yeah. uh, Ben Shapiro kills so-and-so in the audience type thing. Yep. And I, they asked him, they said, you know, why do you, how do you have these people who come at you so hard, and how do you just stay calm during it? It's like, because we both want the same thing. Yeah, we want to end world hunger. They just have a go, different way of going doing it. So maybe there's a middle ground there if we both start with what we have in common with one another.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, conflict comes from a lack of communication. Uh, you know, just straight up, anytime there's a misunderstanding, it's because somebody's not expressing what they're feeling uh, or they're unable to put it into words properly. And so the the culture inside of our company, we've been very intentional about uh, making sure that people can speak openly. You know, if you if you have a challenge, you have something that's bothering you, we never want it to be a company where those things uh, go unsaid. The same is true in a marriage. The same is true in a uh, relationship with your children. Conflict comes from misunderstandings. And so the more that we communicate, the more we figure out what we have in common, right? And so it is that communication that allows us to see the similarities. It also allows us to see the differences. But there's, there's some peace and truth in our differences in that we can see somebody as completely different, but the more we communicate, we realize the differences, but along with those differences come plenty of similarities that disarm whatever it is. You ever, you ever have conflict with somebody or people in your group have conflict, and then the minute that they're in the same room talking to each other, it's like, psh, mm-hmm. problem solved, five seconds, because it's easy to dislike somebody when you're not with them, right? No. But it's really difficult when we're sitting together trying
0: to solve a problem to not come to a resolution. Yeah, the best way I know to say this, two things can be true at once. Someone can be a Democrat and you can like Trump and you know what, you can still get along. And for some, it's very difficult to imagine that. They've, that sometimes we, we tend to compartmentalize people based on one thing that we see in them, uh, not seeing that, hey, listen, you know what, they, um, they might be a tough boss to work for. But they do have your best interest at heart, whether maybe you see it or not. Um, but I think that for some reason we've become so polarized, not just in politics. People have, you know, they go to their, their little echo chamber a lot quicker now. And if you step outside of it and go, yeah, you know what, I disagree with this person or this boss or this colleague about this, but, hey, this is pretty good too. I can disagree with someone and still like them and have respect for them. Um that that's a that's a good lesson to learn. It makes life a lot easier to understand that you know just because there's a poor thing in one on one hand, man, they, they might have a lot of value on the other.
1: Social media has given us the ability to uh, I call it digitally murder people, uh, shut them off, block them, whatever whatever you want to do, and that is I believe part of the problem in the world right now is that it's so easy to find your tribe online that agrees with you, uh, and that will. If anybody out there is doing that, they only interact with the people that they agree with, um, especially when it comes to politics. Man, you're missing everything. You know, uh, if, I, if I'm going to try to watch something and I need to know something that's going on in the world, I try to not watch the news. But if I have to watch the news to find something out, I try to watch multiple channels to get both sides of the story. Right? Where, where is it coming from? And most of the time, man, it's understandable from both sides, to your point. Like, you know, both sides can have their own opinion and and not be wrong. It's just a difference of opinion. Yeah. And I think we have to become more tolerant of that in the world because that is how everything uh, comes together as one. And that's really how we change the world is by being more accepting of people. And that, that doesn't mean we have to accept every crazy thing that people throw out there, but it means... You know, we have to value people, care for people, and love people regardless. You know, that's that's what we're put here to do. And if we could do that, most of the other problems go away. We just seek to understand, communicate, have open and honest conversations with people, um, and listen and be a good listener. And that's another thing that's missing in the world today. It's like every everybody wants to do their fair share of talking, but nobody wants to listen.
0: Yeah, I think about you know some of these people. We got this case going on right now. What was it yesterday? Matt usually keep up on this stuff. I don't know the names of everybody, but Brittany Griner, that athlete that got released from, from Russia. And there's a lot of controversy because I guess there's another prisoner over there that was a prisoner of war, basically. It's like a guy who served in Iraq. Marine. And it's, what is it? Marine, marine right? And Brian, I, I thought to myself, I, I was really struggling with this last night. I'm like, how can people believe that an athlete deserves more respect or more attention than a guy who's, you know, offered his life for this country? And I had to take a step back and I had to say, okay, I disagree with this, but why are these other people, why are there other people that agree with it? And I came to the conclusion, I always do, life experience. There's something in their life that has them valuing something different than what I do. And because I place a different value than what they do on it, our opinions are different about if something is right or wrong. That's where I think you're right. The conversation that we can have with an individual sitting down and talking to them and going, why do you feel this way? And then you hear a story. Oftentimes, how we formulate that story in our head and you go, oh, or you go, man, you're an idiot. Um, But sometimes you'll get a story that paints it for you and you're like, "Okay," I mean, I disagree with what you say, but I can't discount your life experience that led you there. We would all do a lot better to have those conversations.
1: Oh, yeah. And and dude, good on you for actually taking the time to process that, because most people go to the surface level of, you know, this is my side of the argument and I'm going to live there. Uh, versus, you know, I I had the same thing. I sat there and I saw that come across the news yesterday in the conflict of, you know, leaving this guy behind, but this basketball player coming home. And the conclusion that I got to was uh, one American life home is better than none, right? And maybe that was the scenario. We don't know the inside of what that is. Um, Do I believe that a service member who has served our country deserves to come home uh, before a basketball player who was, you know, just taken to prison. This guy's been there for four years. Of course. But we don't we don't know the circumstances. Right. And so to me, it's to your point, it's like, man, just just go for the depth of knowledge as opposed to just the surface level stuff. You'll be a lot happier and you'll understand a lot more people. And you'll realize, man, that all of us, we might look different, talk different, come from different places but uh, and life experiences might be different, but at the end of the day, man, we're all a lot more similar than we are different. And uh, when you love people for who they are, you just see a lot more good in the world. And you know, if you want to find, you will, you will find what you seek. And if you seek differences, that's what you're going to find. Uh, but you realize, man, we're we're all just equal, and that, yeah. that's what that's what matters the most.
0: I mean, I'll just say I completely disagree with the decision. But you're, right. I mean, I, I can have my opinion, but I'm not. I'm not so focused on that to say, hey, listen, everybody who else believes otherwise is some evil individual right? um, or they just don't get it. I don't know what their life experience is. I disagree with it. I don't think they do. But unless I sat down and talked to them, I have no way of knowing what's going on in that side that person said. So I can just keep to my opinion. But, you know, Brian, I think there are going to be a lot of people who watch this who are going to say, man, I want to know more about you. I want to talk to you or I want to. I want to get. I want to seek your insights on things. What is the best way for someone? Are you taking on clients for any kind of coaching? Where can they find more information um, and learn more from you?
1: Yeah, so uh, real Brian Hess on Instagram is probably the easiest way to DM me. Um, top Contractor School. We're always accepting contractors if if people are looking for that. I don't do anything outside of that um, just because I've got too much going on. I try to focus, uh, but happy to interact with anybody and answer questions or. Uh, jump on a call if I have the time and, and help anybody. Um, you know, if you DM me, I'm going to send you back my cell phone number. I try not to make that, like, Don't you know, too up. public. But sure. um, I put it up on the screen at, at places that I speak at, things like that. But I try not to go crazy on the YouTube stuff putting it out there. But, um, yeah, man, and I, I love that. I love interacting with people, getting to know new people, and really, you know, being able to pass on the lessons that I've been blessed to to have given to me by – unbelievable mentors in uh 43 years of my life and that is that is how i fill my cup so for those people listening and watching uh don't hesitate just shoot me a dm and i will get back to you it might not be right away but i will definitely get back to you and it's not somebody else answering it's always me
0: i'll tell you what it's been it's been nice being able to sit down and talk to you and we folks just get the idea we don't have some big plan when we sit down here you know that about the show so um it's nice to see that you are the exact person that i you know that you get to know at conferences or you see online I remember the, the first time, to give everyone an, an idea, when I, when I first met you, um, your energy is what I was impressed with. You take the time, you walk over, you shake everybody's hand, you know, people want to know you, you take time, and you're present with them, and you give them your time. Um, you're not sitting there moving from person to person, and taking pictures, and doing everything, but you truly are there, present with the people that are seeking your help. And to me, that's a, a rare quality. Um, so I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Thank you for taking the time to come over here to Orlando. You didn't have to do that, so thank you.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me, and uh, same mutual feeling, man. The minute that I met you, first impression, I didn't think you were a meathead. I was Thanks, just like, man. damn, this dude's big. But hey, I appreciate the that. first thing, as soon good. as you opened your mouth, man, I was like, this guy and I are going to get along great, uh, and, and I, I agree. I appreciate I pre- it. Everything I expected and more, man.
0: Well, I'll tell you, everybody, the information will be right across the bottom right here of the screen. If you catch it, just rewind about 10 seconds. We'll get it up there for you and get in touch with Brian. Uh, DM over there. Again, that is the real Brian Hess, yep. real Brian Hess on Instagram. And uh, you will not be disappointed until next time, everybody. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much for watching that video and sticking around till the end. If you like what you saw, go ahead and click subscribe. Make sure you punch that like button and we look forward to seeing you on the next video.